Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. On Friday, the 13th of April in 1973, police in Worcester, England, were called to a disturbance at a home on Gillam Street. When police arrived on the scene, they couldn't locate anybody in the residence. They checked the perimeter of the property, and it wasn't until they circled the exterior of the house that they found the horror of what had happened that night. This is Monsters. David McGreevy was born in 1951 in Southport, England, about 20 miles or 32 kilometers north of Liverpool. He was the second of six children born to Thomas and Bella McGreevy. Thomas was a sergeant in the Royal Corps of Signals in the British Army, which meant the family moved around a lot. David spent time all over the United Kingdom and in Germany. David's mother would later say that her son seemed to really enjoy his time in Germany, but overall he was an average child. She said that one time, while they were living in Cardiff, David stole money from her and went to Liverpool, but that was the only trouble she could remember him getting into. When David was only 15 years old, he dropped out of school and joined the British Royal Navy. He told people that it was his dream to serve in the military. David was said to be too young and overly arrogant, which got him in trouble regularly. He began drinking heavily, and once while inebriated, he broke into an officer's quarters and set a wastebasket on fire. When he reported the fire, he claimed that he was just a witness, but they didn't believe him. He was arrested and court-martialed, which got him sentenced to 90 days of detention. After his court-martial, he returned ashore in Portsmouth, where he met a young woman named Mary. David didn't stay in the area, so he and Mary wrote each other letters twice a week for about three months, and when David got back, he asked the woman to marry him. David's mother was not happy with her son's choice to marry a woman he barely knew, but David didn't care. He was in love with Mary. In August of 1971, David was dismissed from the Navy and he went back to live with his parents in Worcester. He tried to find work, but got fired multiple times, usually as a result of his drinking. He started using his free time to plan out a large church wedding with his fiancée, Mary. The realization that David seemed quite obsessive over her began to sink in, and by the end of 1971, she called off the engagement. This led David to begin drinking even more heavily, which caused his parents to kick him out of their house. Down on his luck, David's friend, Clive Ralph, allowed him to rent a room at his house. Clive was a truck driver who had a wife named Elsie. They had gotten married in September of 1968 when Elsie was only 16 years old. She was pregnant with their first child, a son named Paul, and they had their second child, a daughter named Dawn, a few years later. When David moved in, Elsie was pregnant with their third child and was due in September of 1972. 
Clive worked long hours and they all thought it was good to have David around as an extra set of hands. David was great with the children and they seemed to really like him as well. After the baby was born, another daughter named Samantha, Elsie went back to work as a waitress and David made himself available to watch the children. He had been working at a factory and would pay six pounds a week for rent. To further help out, David would sometimes make Sunday dinners. Clive would normally pick Elsie up from work at the end of her shift. He would help her close up while having one last pint for the evening. On April 13, 1973, Clive picked up a very intoxicated David from the Bucks Hill pub where he had been playing cards and darts with a friend. He dropped him off at their house at about 10.15pm and left him to watch the kids while he picked up Elsie from her shift at work. Sometime over the next hour, David became angry at eight-month-old Samantha for crying and proceeded to crush her skull. He slit the throat of two-year-old Dawn and strangled four-year-old Paul with a wire. He then went to the basement where he retrieved a pickaxe and used it to mutilate the bodies. That wasn't enough for David, though, so he took all three bodies outside and impaled them onto the spikes of a wrought-iron fence along the neighbor's yard. Then he simply walked away. When Clive and Elsie returned home, their house was already surrounded by police. Elsie would later say that she thought something had happened to her parents and that David and the children were still inside the house. Unfortunately, once they were at the police station, they were given the horrifying news. All three of their children had been murdered and that David was nowhere to be found. It wasn't until 3.15 a.m. that David was found walking down the street near the Ralph home. David McGreevy initially denied killing the children but eventually made a full confession. The one thing that wasn't included in the confession was a reason for the murders. There has never been a solid reason for why David murdered the children that night. He was said to have loved kids and especially cared about the Ralph's children. He wasn't known to be a violent person. He was known to be an angry drunk, but he had never shown any violence against anyone else during those periods. People chalked it up to him flying into a drunken rage, but experts pointed out that each child was killed a different way. It suggested that he stopped and thought about what he was going to do next. Then he stopped and decided to look for another weapon to use to mutilate the bodies. Then he stopped again and decided to impale their bodies on the fence. In a drunken rage, it would have matched if David had beaten the baby who was crying and even carried that violence over to the other children but continuing to escalate the level of violence didn't match. It was something that psychologists couldn't quite figure out. David pleaded guilty in court and was sentenced to life in prison, though his sentence was eventually changed to three life sentences with a minimum of 20 years each. Due to continuous abuse while in prison, David spent most of his time there in protective custody. Six months after the murder of her three children, Elsie took an overdose of sedatives in an attempt to take her own life, but she was rescued. Unfortunately, her and Clive's relationship didn't last and they were divorced soon after. In 2006, David was transferred to an open prison where he was able to go out on his own during the day, but after a picture of him walking down a street in Liverpool was published, he was transferred back to a secured prison. In 2009, an anonymity order was issued during David's parole hearings due to possible threats to his life. The order was lifted in 2013 based on the importance that the public know about the possible release of a dangerous criminal. 
In 2018, David McGreevy was released on parole after serving 45 years in prison. He viciously murdered three children simply because one of them, a baby, was crying. That was enough to set off David, and not only did he murder the three children, but he mutilated their bodies and then impaled them on an iron fence for all to see. Then he just walked away like nothing had happened. That monster is now walking the streets somewhere in England. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can also check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our new merch at Teespring. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.